Hello and welcome into the Sporting Pod. I'm Cole Pepper along with Tony Allegretti and Mauricio Ruiz. Coming up today, we are going to be talking about blue cards. And if it's going to make a difference, good, bad, or otherwise in the sport of soccer. Also a little bit later on, I'm going to ask Tony Allegretti about the Burrito Gallery. Big news. Uh, probably sad news. It certainly was for me, probably for Tony as well, but I'll ask him about that. That's all coming up. I want to remind you before we get into things here to follow us on social media, sporting underscore jacks, just about everywhere. And then also to subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. Uh, also subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, and uh, when you go to sportingjacks.com, you can become a member. It's free. Give you some discounts on club merchandise as well as enters you into all of our contests for you know chances to win great prizes and experiences and it's a great way for you to also to sign up there to get uh, our weekly email newsletter that uh, keeps you updated on what's going on here with the club and uh, you can put down your deposit for season tickets there as well all right gentlemen um the blue card uh in the past there have been suggestions of orange cards and i think maybe indoor soccer used an orange card at one point i can't recall but the, the theory of the blue card um, is that there are some fouls that deserve something more than a yellow, but not all the way to a red, and that this gives referees another tool uh, in terms of enforcing the laws of the game. So the lawmakers of the game are putting this into effect as sort of an experimental approach at some of the lower leagues. Um, it won't be at like the Premier League and won't be in the Champions League and that sort of thing, but it, they'll experiment with it, much as baseball did with the pitch clock in the minor leagues before implementing it uh, in the major leagues. So let me start with you, Mauricio, as a, uh, a guy who has coached and played, and um, you probably had a foul committed against you that was particularly, you know, um, some might call it a tactical foul, or you, maybe you were the last man in uh, to goal or... Uh, seen somebody else, not certainly you, ever dissent to a to an official. But these are the kinds of things that a blue card would ostensibly be used for. Um, we don't know all the details just yet, but um, what's your impression about the impact that a blue card and its usage? Because this would be different than a red card, uh, or a, a red card sends a, a player off for the for the game. A yellow card's the warning. A blue card would send uh, a player to the penalty box, the sin bin. For ten minutes, the first time, second time, it's treated like uh, a red. So, uh, how will this how will this impact the game? Well, first of all, I'm, I'm I'm glad that you think that's someone. You wouldn't assume that I'm the one that's actually performing something that would warrant a red card or potentially a blue card here, because I am very gentle. Of course, I I, 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 I would not. That. I would never have insinuated the slash s no. for um, sarcasm in my comments. But I would. Yeah, <laughs> I would definitely be the recipient of someone trying to to stop or trying to. You know, attack me in some way, shape, or form. So, you know, I actually had some experience with that. You know, similar to hockey, right? You know, there's a penalty box, and I know I played in the major indoor soccer league where blue cards were a thing, um, and it brought excitement to the game, right? I mean, it's, a, it's a, it was a two minute thing, and then eventually a five minute thing for your second, um, you know, caution. But it was it was exciting, but it was also a league that was trying to create excitement, trying to kind of come into the market. Not to say that soccer, professional soccer, at the European level or the world stage level needs additional excitement. But I think it does keep up with the trend of evolution of any of the games, right? And I think soccer for a long time did stop in time. And now you start seeing the you know the goal line technology, which has been well received. VAR is still a long way from being perfect. I don't think it'll ever be perfect, but they're talking about microchips on the ball now for the Euro Cups that are going to be 
a lot more accurate. They're going to be able to use referee to ultimately have the final decision. But um, I, I like the blue card concept. I think like anything else, when it gets implemented, there's going to be a lot of, there's going to be growing pains with it. Ultimately, because we want to see the game run. And I think statistically talking today, the amount of time that the game, the ball is rolling on the field is limited. You're talking about less than 45 minutes combined based on style, especially if you go to South America, right? Where I'm from in Brazil, like it's, it's horrible to watch those games because time spent on of the actual game running based on fouls and things of that sort. Um, I think the blue card will help increase minutes of balls rolling, whatever that indication is. So I'm all for entertainment. You know, we're paying tickets to go to the games. We're watching them on, on demand. Uh, we're passionate about it. The amount of money that's in the game now to watch people just foul on each other and not see the game get, get played. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm for the idea of it. I don't know if I have the answer to exactly how to implement that. I have some other ideas that, you know, that I kind of share of how to make the game more exciting and less players rolling on the ground. Um, so I, I like the concept of it, and I think it will impact, as, as a, kind of to the point that I'm making, more game activity, right? Because if you are having the opportunity, if you, if you players don't get carded, but you also know there's, a, there, there's an additional penalty for fouling, you're going to be less inclined to foul potentially. Um, and red cards, as we know, sometimes they're, they're discussable, right? They're not even with VAR. So I think this limits those games that are running really well and VAR or the referees make a mistake and now the game completely changed on its head because of a foul that potentially wasn't a red, but that's the only two options they have. You already have a yellow. What's next? It's a red. So um, can we keep the game rolling? Can we keep the entertainment high? And I think blue card will help bridge a little bit of that gap. Also, and I don't know the answer to this, but I don't know if a yellow card and then a blue card equals a red card. I think it probably does. It's being treated, you know, in terms of, of accumulation that way. But a lot of details to be to be sussed out. Tony, it, I'm 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 not sure how what side of this I feel right now. I'm not sure this is a problem that is actually a problem that they're addressing. I do think it will create more. You know, you're talking about basically a a power play for 10 minutes or something. And, you know, we've seen teams play a man down for any number of reasons, injury or otherwise. Um, I'm not sure that this is a, really addressing the issue unless they're mostly concerned about dissent, in which case, um, you know, sending a guy off for 10 minutes, maybe he cools down. But um, I, I, don't, I haven't seen that as a major problem in, in soccer, at least at the highest levels. Yeah, I, so I'm happy to defer a lot of this to Mauricio, who's much more involved in sort of the tactical soccer uh, side of it. I, my first job growing up was a, as a referee, and you know you learn the laws. There's a reason they're called the laws mm-hmm. of soccer because they've ju- they're just older than. I mean, they like Canterbury Tales era, <laughs> you know. So. Um, so, so I always bristle uh, and have through the years. I'm I'm old enough to remember, you know, kicking it back to the goalkeeper, you know, or like the the one that just drives me crazy. That's a newer one is the 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 linesman waits to put his offside flag up. That one baffles my mind. I have no idea why they do that, and it just seems really dumb. Um, this one, and again, it's the, the global conspiracy against Everton. I've, <laughs> I've never seen such a flagship move, you know, to make it a blue card uh, is really is really upsetting. Uh, I thought you'd like it because there's already been a red card, so there's a Liverpool thing. Now you got to get your, your card in there. 
right, you're, I'm going to eject you. Um, but the, so the, yeah, you're getting a blue card. But, but I also worry, you know, we, we have so much um, time wasting in the game right now. If you're up a goal or you're, uh, you're sitting on a draw with a team that's supposed to beat you, um, how long are your throw ins going to take? You know, you know, I mean, your ball boy is really going to be working that clock uh, if you're, if you're, you know, if your main, uh, your best players um, sitting in the sin bin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I think jury's out on it. And if we have had um, no uh, refereeing controversies over the last few years, then I'd probably be less uh, abrasive about it. Um, but, you know, my my club is the only club in top-level football in all of Europe that hasn't even gotten a pen this year. Like, we have not been awarded a penalty, and it's – it's amazing. Yeah, conspiracy. For sure. It's a conspiracy. Yeah. Thank you, Mauricio. Um, confirmed. Confirmed. So yeah, I'm. I'm. Uh, I'm not a huge fan, but I, like everything else, what are you going to do? You know, they've made this decision, and um, I'll be. Uh, I'll be right there to complain about it. I guess my my point on this and any substantial rules change in any sport is if you're going to implement it as an experimental thing, then be open to not taking the exact program and implementing into the higher levels. I'll use uh, one example, the three-point line in college basketball. Of course, it was it was not in the NBA for years, and then um, the ABA started using it. The NBA, after the merger, decided to put it in, uh, but the colleges were, were uh, experimenting with this. And in the ACC, I think it was 18 feet, two inches or something. It was inside the top of the key. You know, this is, this is a, a, a you know, just a little bit more than a free throw was a three-pointer. Well, they experimented with that, and everybody realized everybody in the, in the gym could shoot that. So they moved it back um, to 19.9, which was basically at the top of the key, and uh, and that was the the original NCAA size. So they they did take some of that experimentation and and, and play with it. Now they've moved it back a little bit further because they want to create other opportunities for uh, players in, in the lane and. Um, and again, the 199 kind of seemed a little, a little easy, so they moved it back uh, closer in line with the international line. So uh, by that, uh, you know, and the pitch clock in, in baseball the same way, uh, instant replay in the NFL uh, obviously is something that, as long as they continue to tweak the process and um, uh, figure out how that is, I, I'm okay with it. But that also means being okay with saying, you know what, this really isn't working the way we want to, so getting rid of it. Now that that it that eliminates some continuity, and there'll be some there'll be some players who probably will be okay with getting you know sent off for ten minutes. Um, older players who maybe you know <laughs> could use a little breather so they can play you know the full ninety. That you know, there may be some some cynical fouls committed as far as that's concerned. Um, and we can do a lot of what ifs, and mm-hmm. so I'll do a couple of them here, Mauricio. If you're a coach. Would there be a time where you would say to a player to go get a blue card or go go try to, knowing that if a if a uh, if a referee had that option, he's more likely to pull the blue than the red if he's if he thinks it's one of those things where it's you know fifty mm-hmm. fifty kind of call. And do you think there's enough room between a yellow card and a red card for a foul that 
that there should be a, a, another level of, of uh, enforcement. Yeah, I think one of the reasons this, this blue card will implement it, will help the game, it's in those tactical fouls in the middle of the field, right? Those counterattack fouls that slow down the play, but you're still 60 you know, plus yards away from actual goal scoring opportunity. But if you are on a yellow and you get a blue card and you get your second yellow because you clearly pulled a player's jersey, that's a red card. And what if that happens with still 30 minutes left in the game and the game was 1-0 for the opposition, and you didn't want to make it 2-0, well, the 10 minutes probably, and you got to pack it in for 10 minutes, and you'll take that, right? So a coach will be okay with a player that is on a yellow. And once again, we don't know the accumulation of a yellow plus a blue, what happens. Um, But I would be okay with a player taking a blue card in an instance like that where it's not uh, what they call a a goal goal scoring opportunity, a a, a gonk, whatever they kind of have acronyms for now. It's, Mm -hmm. It's funky. But uh, those are circumstances that you will be okay. I would also be okay with a ref giving a player a blue card from off, off of the set that doesn't warrant a red card, but the player needs to learn how to cool down. It's not appropriate in the game. Too many car- cameras, too many kids watching games to see players behave in an appropriate behavior. They wouldn't be allowed to do that in a corporate law job or corporate office at school. Why are we looking up to these players? That I know emotion and passion is and that. But these are some of our, our models and some of these are, you know, our examples. And they're throwing, a, you know, a, 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 a fanny up there. And that should be a blue card, right? There's going to be consequences for you dissenting and getting in, 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 coach, in coaches and players and referees' face. So I'm okay with the, the referee exercising the blue card in that instance without penalizing the game for the entertainment value, uh, which ultimately that's what happens. One one player takes has a personal or loss of control moment and he changes the whole game, right? And I think the accumulation of blue cards is something that will kind of come in. Five yellows is suspended for a game. How many accumulated blue cards get suspended for a game? Because you can't just keep giving cards as a method, right? Yeah, I want to I want to see stats. We got so many stats in the game right now. I want to see stats of how many people get injured when their team's sitting on a blue card. Uh, you know, if you start writhing around on the ground, you know, everybody gets injured when they're ahead or if they're hanging on and they and they, you know, they're they're trying to um, waste time. We're going to have in my opinion, it's going to be a uh, Qatar-like extra time you know Mm -hmm. where it's just 20 more minutes because uh we've 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 wasted time because this brazilian's rolling around on the on the deck i wasn't gonna i wasn't gonna throw any nationality (laughs) under the bus but um not playing for everton (laughs) (laughs) not anymore sadly we've sold all our brazilians yeah Um, but but that goes into like how do you make the game more exciting right so then i go back to my original statement of run a play so their conversation, there has been enough conversation around blue card, around accumulated fouls, right? That kind of gives you a free shot, but also of a running 60-minute clock, right? Where they're, I mean, if the game is really only running about 45 minutes now as it is, you know, a running 60-minute clock, 90 minutes plus additional time, it's become an issue, right? It increases injury. So if you're only really playing about 45-something minutes, well, then do two 30-minute halves, but, they're run, but it's a running clock and give conditions to players that are you know give give caution to players that are delaying time because then all of a sudden you don't have that delay time you know i mean you're not going to be able to solve both equations but how do you decrease the gap of time wasting and injuries and things that how do you not believe a player when he's rolling 75 times on the ground not not i'm not thinking about neymar here 
you know, but it's it's the one name that you had to say one way or another. I would not, yeah, that's not the case here, but but it's true, right? Like, how do we just make the game more about what the game was, which is about playing? The game is too fast, it's too energetic, but it's also loaded too long now, right? So how do we? If be, maybe it's not too long. Maybe our attention span is shorter. Mm-hmm. So how do we compact the game back to the baseball kind of you know the the the, the pitch clock? So I, I mean, I like these ideas. I think some people are are like, well, the game is beautiful. Let's leave it the way it is. Well, we also. You know, we have to ride a horse everywhere back in the day, right? Like, no, let's not leave it the way it is. There's, 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 there's technology that allows things to improve. So um, I'm all for that conversation. What does it look like, to your point? I think there's going to be a lot of errors made in that process, as long as you're humble enough to say, okay, we need to fix this. And I think they're doing that with VAR a little bit. Probably more transparency in the VAR process will be welcome. I think some leagues are going to start releasing the audio in-game or even uh, on TV so we can kind of clear, you know, clear up that transparency. Yeah, that, there, I would categorize myself in general as a sports conservative where I don't want sweeping changes mm-hmm. in sports because I, I don't think you – know, once you start making these mass overhauls of sports, you're just inventing a new sport based on, on the previous. But I also am not a traditionalist where it's you've just got to keep it the way it is. I do mm-hmm. think society, the expectations of it as a business, as a form of entertainment, as a show um, has to come into it. Um, I'm not, I'm not mad at Nickelodeon having you know the the Nickelodeon broadcast of, of NFL games. I'm not watching it, but I'm also not you know a, a seven year old kid. Uh, you know I want to wa- I still want to watch the way that I've watched it. But uh, having the first down line or having mm-hmm. you know more advanced stats and and uh, you know the uh, the different uh, ways to understand what's happening in the game, I think, mm-hmm. are, are real positive. So you, don't like, you don't like the Manning cast where they just talk throughout the entire game with only a little bit of a corner? Of Honestly, the, I do like the Manning uh, cast. Yeah. And, and because if I'm not personally invested in that game, you know, if it's not a game that I really care that much about the outcome, but I just – I'm enjoying the competition, um, I think those guys keep it interesting. Mm-hmm. It's, it's fun. Um, but I don't want that to replace sure. – I want it to be a supplement, yeah, another option uh, as part of, you know, the triple cast. Somebody should write that down somewhere. All right. um, As promised, I'm going to ask Tony Allegretti, uh, can I properly call you founder or co-founder of Burrito Gallery? I'm I'm one of the founders. One of the founders of the Burrito Gallery downtown. um, And for those of you who have not been to the Burrito Gallery, let me try to describe it. Um, Art on the walls. Great tacos and burritos and such. Um, fantastic bar, cool little outdoor space as well for uh, out on the porch. And downtown, particularly when I was working downtown or um, at the stadium in the past, uh, frequented that quite a bit. Um, pre-kids frequented it more than I have post-kids. But um, one of the cool spots in downtown, and Tony was one of the people responsible for getting that thing launched. Uh, recently, this week... Uh, closed down. So, Tony, you want to give a, some perspective on this? And, and I know it must have been a very difficult decision for you and, and uh, the rest of the people involved to, to say goodbye to, to the original Burrito Gallery. Uh, no, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> all right, all right. Well, that'll do it. <laughs> uh, no, thanks, thanks, Cole. Mostly what I want to do is I want to thank all of the probably hundreds of thousands of people who um, – darkened the door and came into the burrito gallery 
and um, had uh, food and or drink there. I think of all the the family of um, employees over the years, we, we've had some real all-stars um, in terms of uh, people who kept that place going. I mean, when we first opened, I don't, I, I think the first year we'd have never made it without the public defender's office. So shout out to them, you know, Academy Award winning crew there. Um, but we, we, we had a, um, we had an amazing run and, um, you know, things really started to change um, after the pandemic, and it was it was really difficult. And, and the food and beverage industry is just really difficult right now. Um, but in a in a in a downtown like ours, when the workforce hasn't fully come back, and when there's more um, competition, there's food trucks now, and there's lots of new restaurants, and so it kind of bites into that. Uh, the um, demolition of the courthouse and the old city hall annex. I mean, we're going back, but it really does sort of erode the walkable, um, you know, uh, universe of people that can can come down. And um, it was it was becoming very expensive to um, to try to keep it going. Um, and so um, it will be something new. It's got a great sense of place. I, I, I posted on my Twitter about how many things that building has been and it's been some amazing things so uh it'll it'll be something new and something exciting in the meantime you can still support indochine indochine will stay um and so that's um that's something that you can do and um uh we'll we'll have more news on on the building itself and and what's going to happen downstairs uh, in the coming weeks, but um, I just I just mostly want to say thank you to all of the um, to all of the patrons and um, people who supported the Burrito Gallery for all those years. Yeah, it was definitely a cool place. It opened in two thousand two thousand six. It opened six? right before the Super Bowl. Yeah, that's it. Right, yeah. uh, and I do recall it was part of uh, One Spark. It was a big. Uh, there was a lot of activity around there uh, early on too that helped kind of launch it into the public uh, awareness. Yeah, that, one spark for sure. Every art walk, it used to have yeah. a line out there. Well, lunch, it used to have the line out the door. But what, back to the, the very first you know, couple nights, I remember um, Jeremiah Trotter coming in for shots before the Super Bowl, um, and they ended up losing. So I feel, <laughs> I, I feel like I can say that now that it's not open anymore. I won't get, <laughs> I won't get in trouble. But the celebrities, I mean, from, uh, you know, George Romero had a private dinner there one time, the, the director – um, we, uh, Ed Begley Jr. has a favorite, but a lot of the artists that play at the at the Florida Theater um, would would order, you know, BG when they came to town. It was it was, it was a great. It was a great era, um, and uh, I'm, I've been touched by all of the um, sentiment online. Um, so, uh, so thank you, everyone, and um, we, we appreciate you. And we'll see you at the next endeavor. I mean, 18 years uh, in the same location uh, in any restaurant is is a pretty impressive run. In particular, in this day and age, as you mentioned, all the uh, issues with uh, people working from home. You don't have as many people working downtown, so you don't have the walk in for lunch. Uh, and it has been, and if you've asked anybody who works in the restaurant business, uh, particularly in ownership or management, you know how tough it is right now from a staffing standpoint and everything else. So um, congratulations on building something great, uh, Tony, and we look forward to what's coming in there next. Uh, the other thing, the next thing that Tony is building great, of course, Sporting Jacks. 
So that'll do it for us here on this edition of the Sporting Pod. Be sure to share this with your friends. If they'd like to uh, subscribe, we'd love to continue building uh, the community around Sporting Jacks. For Tony Allegretti and Mauricio Ruiz, I'm Cole Pepper. Thanks for listening to the Sporting Pod.